Well, today on the show, I kind of lose my mind over how things are going in my life, especially my sports fandom. We welcome in the leading cardiologist in the U.S. and perhaps the world, Dr. Kim Williams, who also starred in The Game Changers. And we finish with Sarah's news as we learn a dirty word in Polish. Yeah, but first, let me tell you all about NextWave. Yep, NextWave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. NextWave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. NextWave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is a proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded in 1998, which is about as old as the internet itself, it is Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and today's special guest, Dr. Kim Williams, here is a man who has never put ketchup on a hot dog, Rich Reynolds. Well, hello, hello, and welcome on into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, along with the lovely and talented Sarah Carlson and the lovely and talented Eric Rogers. I am Rich Ooh, Reynolds. Lovely. You are lovely. Don't I get mean, lovely often. Thank you, you. You know, the thing about you, Eric, is you're always styling, man. I, I just love it. It seems to me like you're the kind of guy that goes to those haircut places that are downtown where they have beard oil. And How did you know? You, is that right? Do you, do you go to <laughs> those places? That's exactly right. Yeah. See, I'm I'm guessing that's that's what your haircut looks like, and it looks like you know it's like one of those places that's right next to like a a denim store that sells jeans for six hundred dollars <laughs> and and boots for four hundred dollars. And how much is a know? haircut, Rich? How yeah. much does a man's haircut cost? All right. Now for like, me, my man's haircut. Okay, so there's there's two places your wife that, that hair, I go. She? I know it, it's awful, right? No, um, there's two places that I go, and the guy who cuts my hair or has the last few times has a haircut like you. So I've always kind of like trusted him with the fade. That costs fifteen bucks. Okay, all right. Or I'll go and get the full service thing done, where you get like the uh, neck and shoulder massage and like the the towel over your face and the shave and all of that. That costs twenty five, and then I always tip, you know, like five ten bucks, whatever the hell that I what I is this tipping? Like, so sport clips or something? Well, or... yeah, she used to work at like <laughs> I was a, a say. yeah, she used to work at a place called the barber shop, and then like she got her oh, own yeah, yeah. place, and so now she does her own because the barber shop would rush her and want all of it done like in twenty minutes, and she takes sure. like a full hour to do everything, and so it's like drawn out and relaxed. And twenty five bucks for an like hour. That. That's pretty Sign good, right? Yeah. Um, so how, how much, much do you think? All right. Yeah. Okay. So this is just the cut, not like any extras is $60. Oh, my goodness. I was going to so, yes, You didn't even give me time to guess. I was going to play the music oh, and everything and 60 bucks. Dude. I mean, 
This is why. I have a hard time feeling sorry for you. It's the cost. It's, it's what it costs, man. Well, this is why you are lovely and talented. That's why, you know, we went with that. So you could find the lovely and talented Eric Rogers at Eric Rogers Brand all across social media. Sarah and I are a little bit harder to find because I don't think we post all that much. Although I do see Sarah liking stuff as we go along. So. I'm- poster i've got a facebook page easy to find and then i'm news sarah news sarah that's right and Mm -hmm. i'm at rmep rich and you know um sarah was posting a bunch of family stuff you had like a family uh get together i had saw some of that yeah and um speaking of family uh, last night my son who uh had Given up baseball for the summer to rehab. He got a call from the Madison Mallards. They're a summertime collegiate uh, team, and he played for them last year, and they said, hey, we're kind of shorthanded. Can you come and join our team for the last week of the season? So being the good guy that my son is, he's like, yeah. And he's playing basically on a ruptured PCL in his right knee. He's got to wear like this brace. It's like a $2,000 brace. Thank you, medical insurance, for picking up the majority of the cost on that. But anyways, he played last night. And he was 0 for 4. Now, he hit the ball hard. He was hitting it really hard, but just, you know, was was flying out. His last at bat, the Mallards are down 5 to 4. All right, so there's nobody out. Ninth inning, top of the ninth. The guy in front of my son triples. And not really triples. It was actually a Little League triple. So he was running to first. (laughs) He grounded to third. The third baseman threw it away. And so he ends up all the way on third base. So there's nobody out. My son comes up. Now his job is to get that run in to tie the game. First pitch, he takes a strike. Second pitch, he hits a fly ball all the way to the wall in right field. The guy catches it. So the guy from third trots home with the tying run. We think everything is cool. What does the pitcher do? He gets on the rubber, steps off, appeals to third, throws over there, and the umpire puts his fist in the air, signaling out, saying that the guy left third base too early. So rather than my son being the hero for driving in the tying run in the ninth inning, he is now the GOAT. And instead of it being not an official at-bat, it becomes a flyout, and he takes the collar going 0 for 5, and the Mallards lose by the final of 5-4. to 4. And he was absolutely distraught, distraught enough that he called me, and Sarah and I were like in studio early, and he called me right before we went on the air, and he's like, "Dad, I must be like the most unlucky player in baseball." You know, he's got. <laughs> it's Aww. just been like a mentally tough year for the kid, who's actually been really good. I mean, he was first team all region, um, and just missed being an all American. But he was really distraught about the whole thing, and so my my sports night yesterday. And you can't review that. No, type well, of play, it, right? It's you, just, you could if it was the yeah. majors, but it's the Northwoods League. You can go look at it and go, that's right or wrong. Right. But you can't do anything about it. Nothing you could do. Nothing you could do about it. So he was all upset. So, you know, I'm thinking, woe is me as a sports fan as I'm going to bed last night. I wake up to the news that Roquan Smith, now Roquan Smith is a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He's probably right now the best player on the team. He's definitely the best player on their defense. He's been holding out. And... uh, he decided yesterday, or, or, or this morning actually, to announce that he's requesting a trade. He wants out of Chicago. They can't come to a contract, and so he wants out. And I'm just thinking to myself, my God, you know, my sports world lately has really sucked ass. And Sarah knows a little bit about what I'm talking about. And Eric, you're, you're, a, you're a, a Packers I, fan. I have a hard time feeling sorry for yourself. 
uh, feeling sorry for you yeah. when you know we have Devontae Adams that just got traded. But anyway, but you still continue. have Aaron Rodgers. So so Packers fans don't even understand what it's like to be in the NFL because for the last thirty years. <laughs> Since 1992, you have had a Hall of Famer as your QB1. 30 freaking years. You have the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. You have two the baseball Bulls last teams, won a World okay? Series, or, or The Bulls last won a championship when? 1998. All right. The last time the Bucks won one was, oh, just a season ago. Okay. So you got us. Before that 50 you, years. You, you okay. got us beat there. Okay. Anyways, all right, so the Bucks are good. The, well, listen, yeah. the, there's more to choose from in Chicago. We, it's a big city. I'm from there, so I grew up Bears, Cubs, Blackhawks, you name it. But I've been in Wisconsin a long time, and it's hard for me to feel sorry for people who are in Wisconsin as Chicago fans. Not, I'm not going to, like, disown you, although I think I've been disowned because I'm a Packers fan and my family back home is I can't believe Bears. you did that, but, by the way. That said, Rich, that said. I'm okay I, with you know, God love you. I can't feel sorry for you. You know, come on over. You know, no, no, Packers no, there's, there, there, there's no chance. Now, listen, I grew up a Badger fan, and I love the Badgers. Uh, my uncle actually taught at the school. He was a history professor for a long time, and so we used to come up to Wisconsin and see him, and, and you know, that's it. I, I, I fell in love with the Badgers since I was a little kid. But in Chicago's not a college, like, sports town anyways, so being a, a Wisconsin sports fan, no, nobody cared, okay? But otherwise, I grew up as a Cubs and a Sox fan, which, by the way, is very – odd in the city of chicago and sarah could probably attest to that I, both teams i love both teams and well why? so here's the reason why so on my dad's side my grandfather was the equipment manager for the chicago white Sox. so his whole side of the family is okay. all white Sox fans on my mom's side my cousin just retired a few years ago was on the grounds crew for the cubs and worked there for 40 years so all my mom's family is all Cubs fans. So here I am in the middle. Now I can make a choice, which I probably should have, because it would have been better either to choose the Cubs or the Sox, because when you pick both, it's double the misery. I mean, they're both just <laughs> disgustingly <laughs> bad every single year. So so the Cubs have a breakthrough. They won a World Series in 2016. They hadn't won in over 100 years. Okay, fine. It's probably going to be another 100 years, so they win again. The White Sox won in 2005. They hadn't won a World Series since, like, 1917. They had just as big or almost as big of a gap. Rooting for both teams sucks. I mean, it's just really bad, and the, the Sox have been super disappointing this year. They were supposed to be a World Series contender, but they blow. The Cubs decided they're somehow a small market team, even though they have their own uh, television network and a huge money maker in right. Wrigley Field, and they have the most expensive tickets out there, and, and they, they field a, a, you know, a AAA team. And then you got the Bears, who are just hot garbage and have been for a long time. Hot, hot garbage. garbage, yeah. Like, hot garbage that that's on fire. And, and you know what makes it even one. worse? So currently, the Chicago Bears have the NFL record for most regular season wins. They're going to get passed Five, this year one. by the Green Bay Packers in week two on Sunday night football against whom? The Green Bay Packers. Freaking NFL in the way that they schedule. I mean, there is nothing good about but I think any if, of that. What was it like? So if the... Packers win, the Bears lose week yep. one. Then it's, it's tied. Tied, tied going, going in. into that game. Yep. All right, mm -hmm. so the Bears 
for the last 30 years have enjoyed a huge lead. They also enjoyed a huge lead in the rivalry against the Packers. All of that's gone. The Packers now lead that rivalry and all of it just because the Packers live in a different world, having had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back who played for long periods of time. So for 30 years, like Eric Rogers' entire life, Eric Rogers doesn't remember when Randy Wright was the quarterback of the Packers. Eric Rodgers doesn't remember the Lynn Dickey years. Eric Rodgers doesn't remember how bad the Packers were in the 70s and the 80s. All he remembers is they've been good his entire life and have had excellent quarterbacks. And Jordan Love will yeah, right. that. <laughs> <laughs> but you live in like a spoiled world, and I'm just I, – I, I'm not in a good mood today. I'm not. I'm just – I'm, I'm inconsolable. Can I also put this yeah. out there? I want to let – Rich, you also, you know, you pick your team and then you just love them no matter what. That's kind of, I've already, like I said, been disowned because I'm from Chicago and I'm a Packers fan. This is years ago. I joke, but kind of not. You know, I think my dad is still really disappointed in me. John, my fiance is a Bears fan, but he and my son and I, we have a deal. We will root for the Packers, all of us, as long as they're not playing the Bears. He, he will do it, and vice versa. So I can still really? give myself a little Bears love. I've had to sort of play nice, even though Bears-Packers rivalry is one of the worst. We play nice, you know? And then, like I said, pick I your team. I can't do it. You but know, it, it has caused a divide no. with me and my dad. My dad moved up here in 1992 no. and immediately – dropped the Bears and became a Packers fan. And, you know, when, when you ask him about him, like, why? And he's like, well, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's that's his his thing. And I'm like, yeah, but this is not Rome. I mean, there is Rome, Wisconsin. If you've ever been there, you would not claim it, okay? <laughs> it's the dinkiest little town. I mean, there's a saying in Wisconsin, Rome wasn't built in a day, except Rome, Wisconsin was. I mean, it, it literally takes you five seconds to go through. And, oh, by the way, if you ever pass that way, it's on the way to, to Green Bay. You just... No, there are speed yeah. traps galore. There's a cop that sits there in oh, Rome, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. shops. Yeah, I think there's you can buy t shirts right? to say I got arrested or got a ticket in Rome. It's, or it's even worse. There's there's Rosendale. Rosendale too, yep, is along the yeah. way. And there's also a speed trap yep. there. And and Rome is also fav- famous for it. And Rome, I mean, seriously, you sneeze, you're through it. Um, and, and that's it, but my goodness, I'm just, I'm not happy today. So Roquan's requesting a trade out. The bears were already going to be bad this year. I mean, they just have no talent at all. So they've decided to go through yet another rebuild. I do think Justin Fields is going to be good, but when he's playing with a bunch of crap, yeah. Okay. Violins. I get it, Sarah. I see you over there. You, you, you switched teams. It was easy for you. Um, I'm, I <laughs> man, I had my. At least he made a decision. Me. I was just afraid Rich. of TV viewers wanting I guess. to, you know. I, I'm going down with the me. ship. I'm my way to my I, car. You know, it's it's how I was trained. You know, <laughs> yeah. Now, here, like I, I can respect someone who grew up in a certain area and they live and die by like I am going to be a Chicago sports fan. Like that's that's fine. However, my beef and Rich, you might remember this. We've been Facebook friends for a number of years. A few years ago, I just got on this train, and every time the Chicago Cubs lost, I would post yeah. the screenshot of the score and then yes. hashtag fly the L. And the reason for that is because the Wrigley fan, you know, uh, Wrigley Field always has 
a W flag and an yep. L flag, right? And so many fans of the team want to post and talk about the W's, but they never talk about the L's. And so I said, hey, if you're going to live by that motto, you have to talk about the L's. It so is pretty – that's a that's a staple of fandom, though. So like, so, like, the Packers this past season, they were the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. They lose in the first round of the playoffs at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, I go on Facebook to see how everyone's doing. Crickets, man. You wouldn't even have known that the Packers <laughs> played a football game. Uh, not only was there, there not any disgust, no one was talking about anything at all. If they would have won, it would have been a completely different story, and it would be like, yep, Super Bowl bound and all that. So I, th- I think that's kind of a staple of thing. I, I think what people fail to, to realize in Wisconsin, now I don't know how long you've lived up here, Sarah. When, how far back do you go? 98. Uh, 94. No, 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 sorry, you 94. might remember this because I think it was 95, and I forget the name of the cable company that was in town. It wasn't like Charter Spectrum then. It was something else, so the cable company in Madison. Anyways, they were going to take WGN off the air. And back in those days, WGN carried every single Cubs game. All 162 were on WGN. Right. And... People in Wisconsin were huge Cubs fans. The Brewers were in the American League. The Cubs Mm -hmm. were in the National League. And so when they threatened to do this, it was front-page news on the Wisconsin State Journal that WGN was going to be off the air. Mm -hmm. People lost their minds to the point that the cable company had to keep WGN on so that people could have their Cubs. Three years later, the Brewers move over to the National League, and all of a sudden there's a rivalry for some reason. I'm like, what rivalry? What are you talking about? Just yesterday, you were Brewers and <laughs> Cubs fans. Now, oh, no, I hate the Cubs and love the Brewers. I'm like, get, get out of here with that crap, all right? It's not really a rivalry. Um, the only thing that I think Wisconsin fans get mad about, and especially Brewers fans, is that whenever they play the Cubs, over half the stadium is filled with Cubs fans. And Cubs fans call it Wrigley North, and it kind of – you don't care about that? I really don't care. Yeah. Come spend your money here. Exactly. No, we'll take your money. And I was living in Illinois just a couple of years ago, and we did that with John's uh, fa- uh, work friends. Big bus of us. Do you know why, like, a lot of Cubs fans do it, too? Do you know how hard it is to get in and out of Wrigley Field? It can take hours if you're going by car. Then you got to, like, park on somebody's lawn for 80 bucks. And if there's other people blocking you in that haven't gotten out yet, you got to wait for an hour for them to get out so you can get your car out. Tickets are, like, uh, through the freaking roof. It's the most expensive ticket in baseball. That's if you can get tickets at all. Meanwhile, you could drive up, and it takes about 90 minutes to get up to Milwaukee, and there's plenty of parking. And the tickets aren't expensive, and you can go in there and sit in a nice ballpark where you know there's not going to be a rain out, and everything is hunky-dory. So Cubs fans swarm to come up to what used to be Miller Park and is now American Family Field because it's easier. It's just easier to see your team uh, in Milwaukee than it is to see them in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and somehow, somehow still, still cheap. And we were going to play a game today, and we just ran out of time, and we're going to have to hold that game for tomorrow because it is just about guest time right now. Dr. Kim Williams, who, by the way, was in the movie The Game Changers and other movies, he is going to be joining us. That is coming up next.
All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plans podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds FUN, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplans.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50 with this awesome charity. Your contribution of 6 bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long, great food, and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. You got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type Real Men Eat Plants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, let's join our guest right now. Bring him on in. He has board certifications in internal medicine, cardiovascular diseases, nuclear medicine, nuclear cardiology, and cardiovascular computed tomography, which, by the way, is a mouthful. Uh, he has served on the faculty of the Pritzker School of Medicine, the Wayne State University School of Medicine, and since 2013 at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, where he is the head of the cardiology department. Dr. Williams has served as president of the American Society of Nuclear Cardiology, Chairman of the Coalition of Cardiovascular Organizations, and Chairman of the Board of the Association of Black Cardiologists. In March 2022, he was named Chair of the University of Louisville Department of Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky. He is the former President of the American College of Cardiology, where he serves as a fellow and trustee, and he has appeared in such films as The Game Changers and What the Health, which, by the way, are both still available on Netflix. We welcome in into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Dr. Kim Williams. You know, I, I, I tell you what, Doc, did I miss anything? That might be the longest intro I've ever done for a guest ever, ever. Well, you actually did very well. I just wanted to make it clear that I, uh, I uh, miss Chicago and everything for the last few days, but uh, I am the chair of medicine at the University of Louisville, and it's a it's a wonderful place with yeah. wonderful people. And a so, wonderful so mission. that mission is so what then? Because to, uh, it seems like the mission that you are on as a cardiologist is different than the mission of a lot of other cardiologists. And well, not just cardiologists, but the entire. I would say that applies to the medical care. Um, the uh, the. Uh, <clears throat> direction of healthcare in this entire country, if if not the planet, but I think the, the that United States is is sort of the linchpin for uh, how things get done around the planet. And so, if we could fix our system so that Medicare isn't going broke in 2024, which is, scares the heck out of everyone, um, then we haven't then we have a shot. And so, what is that mission? 
Uh, I really <clears throat> applied for this position really with two major goals in mind, and the university really uh, resonated with them and was actually trying to do them already and uh, wanted to hire someone who would actually be helpful in that regard, and that is uh, health equity, number one, and number two is prevention. And, of course, you know that my idea of prevention is uh, the use of lifestyle in addition to uh, randomized trial evidence medications and procedures when necessary. And if what's missing, what has been missing uh, very much is the lifestyle. Uh, we've been really good at procedures and really good at developing medications to help people and um, really prolonging their illness uh, by decreasing mortality. And we don't always look at it that way, but uh, essentially that's what it does. Whereas lifestyle, uh, in addition to the medication, can actually get people to be much more functional and uh, have less in, in severity and yeah, frequency. My, my dad, by the way, has um, cardiovascular disease. Uh, in fact, um, congestive heart failure is what they have told him. And um, he has had a pacemaker put in. He has had bypass. He has had stents put in. Um, and it's been going on for years and years. And the thing is, um, and he takes a lot of meds, and nothing's getting better. Um, and one thing I tried to urge him to do i'm like hey why don't you check out like forks over knives why don't we you know look at maybe something different maybe there's a way that you can attack this because it does seem like his doctors and i think that it's true of most doctors are pretty reactive they'll keep doing the surgeries they'll keep giving you the medicines but they're not really going to give you the tools a lot of doctors to prevent it from happening in the first place is that a fair statement Well, it is fair, but it, I, I want to give you a different perspective on it. So first of all, there are a handful of patients who come to me as a cardiologist saying, Doc, I know I'm in trouble, but just give me a pill so I can go back and do the things that made me get to you in the first place. That's a relatively few people. Most people are really, uh, when they have a cardiac event, they are interested in trying to make it better, prolong their lives, be with their families, be a productive member of society, going to work and, and, uh, and helping our economy. But I would say when I hear a story, like your dad, and he's struggling after a procedure, and he has not changed his diet, the thing I'm, I guess because of age and experience, the first thing I think of is that the leading cause of death of cardiologists, physicians, cardiac surgeons, is cardiovascular disease. And so uh, I, I know I've heard many people say, oh, these doctors, they just want to do procedures and they don't care uh, about plants-based nutrition or putting people in cardiac rehab, which is abysmally low uh, compared to the number of people who qualify. And the fact of the matter is, it's because we're not doing it ourselves. We're not treating the patients any better than we're treating ourselves and our family. And so we end up with uh, a, a horrific degree of unnecessary cardiovascular disease in the physician community at a time when we can't afford it. We need more doctors, not less. So I'm, I'm saying it, it's not... Um, malice, that old saying, you know, never attribute to uh, to malice something that's easily attributed to ignorance. And that, unfortunately, is our case because we've done surveys uh, at the American College of Cardiology. And uh, the surveys say that being knowledgeable and able to counsel patients on nutrition occurred in 1% of our practicing percent uh, physicians and 0% of our trainees. Now, that was published a few years ago, and we've been out to change it. Journal articles, um, you know, putting together all the data and uh, putting together guidelines. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, 
I have to admit that we did a recent survey right before I left Rush and partnering with Loyola University to look at our physicians and say, how many of them are following the guidelines that we wrote and published in the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, primary prevention guidelines, 2019, wrote a, an entire nutrition section. And it got a little fishy based on some randomized trials that say that fish is better than red meat. But predominantly, we're talking about plants, lowering cholesterol, sugar-sweetened beverages, getting rid of refined grains. Uh, and if you follow that diet, you have a chance to reduce uh, chronic illness. We put all the data in there uh, in addition to the recommendations. And then we went to find out three years later how many people are doing it. And it turns out, out of 274 positions, we wow. had il- physicians, we wow. had 11, 11 who were actually doing this, uh, one vegan and 10 pesco-vegetarians. And so the data is massive, um, if, if anyone would look. Um, the data on COVID and uh, pesco-vegetarian and, ve- and vegan diets is so impressive. They have 73% less um, severe and moderate than severe COVID and everybody says, oh, no vegan diet of, 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 of COVID. I don't know that I believe that, but I don't have any data to <laughs> – I don't have any vegans that I know that, that died of COVID. Uh, and certainly that British Medical Journal saying that the incidence of moderate to severe illness is so low in the vegan population, maybe it's really true. So you have this dual pandemic of heart disease since 1918 being the leading cause of death of Americans, and then a, a double pandemic of uh, a viral illness, which isn't going away. It keeps happening and keeps mutating. Why isn't everybody uh, talking about doing plant-based nutrition uh, to try uh, and, and, and why isn't the focus uh, on that? I, I actually was putting that up like on my, my social media, like, hey, maybe instead of, uh, you know, complaining or waiting for a vaccine or waiting for this, why don't we all do something like trying to get healthier? Why don't we eat healthier? Why don't we exercise more? Why don't we do these things? And maybe if our immune system is stronger, maybe we'll be able to beat this thing and not have to worry about waiting for uh, things happening down the line. But you were talking about cardiologists that weren't following the diet. That's not you. You you put your money where your mouth is, and you kind of did, did it controversially. So you put an essay out back in 2014. And uh, if you could talk about that a little bit and why that was so uh, you know controversial. Why, why was that such a big deal in, in the medical world? Well, actually, the backstory was that I – been elected to uh, be the incoming president of the American College of Cardiology 2015, which means that you serve as a year of, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, vice president and then president-elect and uh, with all those meetings. And I had been on the board of trustees. And so with all of those meetings, I was always asking for plant-based food. And so finally, one of the media people, um, and I don't know if she ever, if she is around listening to find out what she did to me, <laughs> but she actually uh, said, Ken, you know, you're always asking for plant-based food. Why is that? And I told her, uh, well, you know, decrease hypertension, cholesterol, stroke, myocardial infarction, uh, you know, death, uh, and a myriad of other chronic illnesses that go away, improve, disappear with um, uh, with plant-based nutrition. And she said, well, couldn't we write that in our ACC blog uh, so that the more of the members know about it? Uh, I said, well, okay. And so once we wrote the blog, then that got picked up by MedPage today. And then, then that got picked up by New York Times. And the next thing you know, I'm doing an interview and, uh, and trying to make sure that everybody knows that there is literature out there uh, where diet is important. It's much more important than what we thought because you know, there are still a lot of cardiologists, hopefully not now, but certainly back then, there were people saying that 
oh, it's not your diet, it's your genes. Well, genes have a lot to do with what's going to happen. And in fact, there are some <laughs> mutants running around this planet, so-called PCSA9 um, mutations, where, which has led to a couple medications, which is really interesting, uh, who are going to have a low LDL cholesterol no matter what they, they do because of their genetic uh, superiority, let's call it. On the other hand, most of us regular humans are going to die of heart disease if we can, uh, with a high frequency. And, and, you know, now that I'm an internal medicine chair, I have to think more broadly than just cardiology because for cancer, the, other, the next leading cause of death in the Americans, the risk factors are almost identical. You know, if you were obese uh, and if you have diabetes and uh, high levels of inflammation, which happens with nutrition, you end up with, with cancer, heart disease, or both. And so it, uh, it, was, it was good to get it out there. Uh, there have been changes, and hopefully all of our medical meetings now have plant-based food, which is how the whole thing started. Uh, we're, we haven't you know, gotten everywhere, but I, I do want to mention that since, since you said, you know, why isn't anyone talking about it? Uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I saw one person talk about this on, on national television. Yeah. It was Charles Barkley, <laughs> Round Mound of Rebound. Okay. He was telling people, you've got to give up all that, you know, that fast food. This is just damaging you and it's going to make COVID worse. I don't know how he knew what was going to be published in the British Medical Journal two years later, but he was right on target. Um, but I, I didn't see uh, the CDC or anyone coming out with it. Now, I do have to say that um, it, we're not alone. We've been pushing hard. Uh, we've got a lot of organizations that have tried to get folks to recognize the importance of nutrition. And believe it or not, um, the um, Biden White House is actually putting together for the first time in 50 years a White House conference on nutrition, health and uh, and hunger. Uh, it happened during the Nixon administration, but not since. And so we're hoping that we can bring more uh, science based nutrition recommendations that we come from coming from our government. And, you know, it's, it's always tough because there are a lot of industry um, interests that go against what would what their medical literature would say. And sometimes people try to re respond to them, like putting together a sugar sweetened beverage tax, for example. That's one recent example uh, that would be so helpful based on the medical literature, but would be fought by industry that has sugar sweetened beverages as part of their portfolio. And so, you know, how do, how do we do that? My take is uh, to change the government's subsidies. That is, you know, what you uh, are are really promoting with our subsidies is what people are going to buy because it's less expensive. And so um, if you're able to decrease the amount of sugar-sweetened beverages that are out there and more fruits and vegetables, that's what people, once you they're educated about it, and they're less expensive, that's really going to make a difference. So I'm hoping, very hopeful, that this conference will lead to some major changes in how we do food. Uh, you know, our, our food chain is extremely long, but unfortunately, it bends toward chronic diseases, and we've got to Well, Dr. That. Williams, you're you know, kind of going on about, you know, the, the, the interest people are starting to take in their own nutrition, or at least should be at that point. Now, one of the things that, you know, you're doing a really good job about, you know, social media and posting online, YouTube channel and all that stuff. And I was watching a video this morning uh, that you were kind of asking the question, you know, is it better for you or, or should you be eating 
you know, plant-based stuff like uh, like the Impossible Burger, for example, something like that. So what is, I don't want to give away all the, the topics for yourself, so I don't want to see if you want to summarize kind of where that video uh, it took people, you know, as far as the nutrition of, of Impossible Burgers and, and, and the like. Well, I would take it, it rather than branding, um, I actually ask my patients to follow a whole food plant-based diet. And if they're going to do something that's manufactured, then just read the label. This is something that the FDA, um, I, I talked with them, I guess it was a couple years ago, they were really trying to emphasize health in the labels. And I was so glad that they were focusing on it. Um, so I, I look at three things. How much sodium is there? And sometimes the sodium is really high. But if you're, if you, there are some people who are not sensitive to sodium. Many African Americans are. And so if you go with our, uh, our hypertension, 2017 hypertension guideline, it would be a limit of 1,800 milligrams a day. That means you could eat something that's really <laughs> salty, but nothing else that day. And so, 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 why, so read the label, add it up. And the funny part about it is that once you do that, you don't have to keep doing it because you're going to buy the same products because they come your favorites. Okay, that's the sodium. The next one would be the cholesterol. And preferably, the cholesterol level would be zero because that means it came from a plant because plants don't have substantive amount. They have nanograms of cholesterol. Uh, and so you don't see end up um, increasing your serum cholesterol by eating plants. And in fact, the fiber changes the bacteria in your GI tract. They can actually help you get rid of cholesterol uh, rather than absorbing it. <coughs> then the, the third thing is the saturated fat because we, we have to pay careful attention to the fact that saturated fat raises cholesterol. And I know that there's a lot of controversy there you have, uh, and it's made uh, sometimes with commercial interests and sometimes not, but uh, there are people who say that saturated fat from plants is not so bad. That is true. It's not as bad as the longer chain fatty acids of, of animals, but it still raises your cholesterol. Uh, and so <clears throat> we try to avoid those. And then there are other people who say that all oils are bad where the data, the best data, and we'll continue to, to accumulate that data, would say that uh, polyunsaturated fat and monounsaturated fat actually lower cholesterol, lower mortality. Uh, yeah, the, I, I know there's some people who famously say the fat you eat is the fat you wear. I think that's true uh, in terms of total calories. But if you have an active lifestyle, uh, olive oil may help your cholesterol. And, you know, the, so the thin person with high cholesterol probably should be doing olive oil. Okay, so if we set it up that way, you, you could actually um, make sure that uh, your uh, cholesterol um, ingestion, your sodium, and your saturated fat are actually very low. And that, those products that you're mentioning, you just read the label and you see that they wouldn't fit the bill. Um, and so having a high degree of saturated fat. Is you, know, you mentioned Joe Biden and he's getting involved in, you know, uh, with, with the whole nutrition thing. There's another politician, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, uh, who is famously plant based and has been involved with this. And you guys uh, are you kind of got involved with him as well, writing a foreword for his book. If you could talk about that relationship with, with Eric Adams and and how you feel he's doing as far as getting the message out there uh, as far as being plant based and some of the steps he's taken in New York. Well, he's a wonderful guy, and he, <clears throat> he had a lot of the African-American experience, as you could see in that book, um, where, you know, it, the things that we inherited in the African-American community, every, you know, it's wonderful to celebrate Juneteenth, 
Um, but if we look at it in absolute terms, slavery isn't isn't over yet. I mean, we still have, uh, you know, we have healthcare disparities and educational disparities. And a lot of it actually has to do with things that we could control as a community that is focusing on schools um, and uh, insisting on higher levels of education. And um, there are segments of our society where if you don't go to college and you don't get a graduate degree, you're like ostracized in your family. You know? And uh, and so that kind of approach, I think, would help us. Now, having said that, uh, then there's the food. Forget about the society for, for a moment, just the food. Um, we inherited um, – people have called it uh, eating low on the hog. And there's another wonderful cardiologist um, um, who, uh, in California and who um, – uh, Dr. Batiste, who actually has a podcast or a show called The Slave Food. It's kind of right in people's faces to, to say it that way. But honestly, that's what it what it was. That is, you were allowed to eat the things that were being thrown away. And then you figured out creative ways to make it palatable. And then your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren learn the same thing. And that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is just uh, the socioeconomic disparities. So what's inexpensive? And so, you know, when you have the government subsidizing high fructose corn syrup and refined grains, you're going to find some products there are really unhealthy, uh, but they become popular. When you look at the density of, of fast food restaurants in our community, it's much higher. Than it, than it should be for, for, for the population. Well, these are things that we could at least recognize, and I, I don't want to go too far without mentioning the so-called food deserts, um, but I have a completely different take on that. Um, we struggle with nutrition education in this country. If our physicians don't know nutrition, why would we expect our groceries stores owners to, to do nutrition? They're not in the healthcare business. We are, okay? And so if you're in a business what are you going to sell? You're going to sell the things that actually uh, uh, people buy. And so if you want to get rid of the food deserts, you want to have healthy things in grocery stores, then the way to do it is to actually get um, uh, people to buy what's healthy. And that's what they'll stock. So uh, it, I think the, you know, where we need to go with this is, you know, public education and you know, a sort of community level, um, you know, enhancement of nutrition understanding. I, I could not agree more. You know, cycle. actually, uh, my daughter in eighth grade, and she's going through health class, and they're teaching about what's carbohydrates and what's fat and what's protein. And she brings home, you know, this, this stuff, and I'm reading through it. And protein, all that's listed is, you know, animals. So that, that's all that they list. And I actually got to the principal, and I said, hey, you know, there are protein in plants. Uh, you know, you can get protein from legumes and nuts and seeds right. and, and almost all vegetables. I mean, there's, there's some amount of protein. I don't think anybody has been dying of protein deficiencies in this country. We're not a protein deficient, um, you know, people. And, um, it was, it was kind of eye opening for her. She said she was going to start incorporating it next year. I don't know what that means. My daughter's not going to be in that school anymore. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I don't think that people quite understand. When they hear protein and it, they get hit over the head with it with advertising, got to have protein, got to have protein, it seems like all they know is animal products, animal products, animal products, and oh, by the way, chicken is healthy for you. Um, that is a message that gets thrown around a lot. Doc, why 
why not chicken? Why can't everybody just eat chicken and, and be healthier or eat yogurt and be healthy? Well, so I, you know, you could start with the uh, uh, animal rights people who will tell you that chickens are some of the most marvelous uh, organisms that, and they're loving companions. <laughs> uh, that's one point of view. That would you really want to uh, to have a sentient being be captured or t- tortured or whatever they do to them uh, in the chicken industry, uh, so that we can plug our arteries with with cholesterol? Um, now, let me. Having said that, let me talk about the other side. Is there a difference between white meat and red meat? Uh, if you get to the science of it, um, the and I would probably most famously quote the Harvard uh, School of Public Health data, which was only one of three um, uh, articles out of the uh, what some people would call the uh, vegan propaganda journal that, that is the Journal of the American Medical Association. <laughs> We're not at all vegan, <laughs> vegan propaganda. Gamma is a wonderful uh, uh, evidence-based uh, journal, and they actually have three articles that people could publish or that could, could look at on vegetable protein versus animal protein and mortality. And each one of them does the same thing. That is, and one of them is from Japan. One of them is a, uh, our authors who analyzed some American data. And then there's the Harvard data, which was first in 2016. Okay. So what they do is say, Let's take all of our population, let's look at their nutrition history, and then uh, try to see what would happen to the mortality if we just substitute 3% of our animal protein with vegetable protein. And you can see, because of the large population and the long-term studies, you can see a change in mortality. And what it says is that, um, that seafood, or particularly fish, poultry, and dairy increase mortality a small amount, but they do increase mortality. Red meat is worse than those three. Eggs are worse than red meat. And processed red meat is by far the worst. And so the real question is, uh, if you have, and this data is reproduced around the world, that animal products are uh, for protein are have health, have health effects that are uh, salvaged by doing protein uh, from vegetables instead. And so if it's in every database, why would we do it? Well, uh, one of the reasons to do it is because it's safer and that if people say there's just no way I can do plant-based, I know it's going to hurt me uh, if I eat animals. <clears throat> it's going uh, to hurt the environment if I eat animals, uh, but it's going to hurt it less if I do chicken than beef, which is true. Then, uh, you know, the substitutionary benefit of poultry over um, eating mammals is, is probably something that people could defend. Biochemically, uh, the difference probably does come down to the Cleveland Clinic's trimethylamine in oxide. That's a little bit of a mouthful, but anyone can Google the words mm-hmm. uh, or the letters T-M-A-O. And what it, it ought to have a warning level that once, once you're done Googling it, you're probably going to become a vegan because you don't want this stuff in your bloodstream. And the levels of TMAO that you get from vegetables is essentially zero. Uh, it's less with, uh, with so-called fish or white meat, and it's much higher with red meat. Uh, but in, in any case, the, the TMAO is associated with chronic kidney disease and more stroke and more heart attack, heart failure, uh, and mortality. And so hopefully people will recognize it. 
Um, we, we're learning a lot of the mechanisms behind um, uh, the, re the reasons that plant-based nutrition is so much better for you, uh, and they're all being elucidated in, in the literature. Well, while you're in the process, while you're Googling TMAO, you might as well Google Dr. Kim Williams because one of the first things that comes up is that quote, uh, the, the, there are two kinds of cardiologists, vegans and those who haven't read the data. So I, I wanted to bring that up because I'm sure there's there's a story behind that and there's maybe one or two points that are like the main things for people to know if they're going to uh, you know consider being vegan or just reducing the amount of meat they're eating. Well, so the history of that, and obviously uh, everything changes over the years, and I would say that there are probably many other types of cardiologists because we're having some really great food fights, I call them, uh, between uh, uh, different kinds of plant-based diets, the no oil people versus the, you know, you've got to have some omega-3, and, uh, and, and then you've got uh, <clears throat> the people who are pesco-vegetarian and, and going for <clears throat> the, uh, the Mediterranean diet. Uh, and then that's one of the interesting things, if I could take 20 seconds to talk about it, because it was listed as the number one diet for human health. And I think it's uh, something that uh, U.S. News and World Report and other people rarely do, which is to completely misinterpret a New England Journal of Medicine uh, article. I uh, hope everybody can pull it up. 2018, um, the PREDIMED trial which said <clears throat> that there was a 30% decrease in heart attack, stroke, and death if you substitute um, red meat with fish and a little bit of poultry, so so-called Mediterranean eating pattern. Uh, they did have two groups. One was uh, uh, extra virgin olive oil, and the other one was substituted with um, or supplemented with nuts. And that 30% decrease, if you looked at the table, not just the graph, but the table, it was very clear that it was a dramatic decrease in stroke. But heart attack was the same in all three groups. Cardiovascular death was the same in all three groups. Overall mortality was the same in all three groups. And so I think that it's a, it's a little uh, difficult to watch that be named the number one uh, uh, diet for human health when our leading cause of death is cardiovascular disease and it didn't help. And so, you know, if I was a neurologist, I'd be, you know, so a, a few less uh, people having strokes and having to wake up in the middle of the night for code stroke, it would be wonderful. And strokes are terrible. And I had, do have patients who say, I'd much rather die or have a heart attack than have a stroke. Uh, and if you really want to just prevent that, then maybe that's the diet. But um, if people want to live and live with more heart disease free, that isn't the diet. And so I hope that everyone can go back and look at it. It wasn't the authors. It wasn't New England Journal of Medicine that did the misinterpretation. They were actually very, very clear. Um, so anyway, I would say that, uh, like anything, uh, there's been an evolution. There are way more than two types of cardiologists these days. Uh, but I kind of stand behind the idea that we don't have enough nutrition education, that it should start in high school, then college, then pre-med, I'm sorry, then medical school, and then it should be lifestyle medicine should be part of every residency curriculum. And I know there are a handful of places where that's starting to happen. It should be part of cardiology fellowships and every other uh, place where uh, patients are going to interact with us. And uh, when that happens, then I can stop, you know, uh, uh, saying things <laughs> that were controversial about our nutrition education. I'm hoping that that actually does come to fruition. I, you know, I, for a couple of years, um, I was sort of backing off and I was talking about how what I was really referring to was um, the other side that, 
they haven't read the data because we weren't publishing enough. But I don't think that that's true anymore. We are still we are publishing, and so I've had to refine my thoughts on it. Um, and that wasn't so. And initially, it was a call for everyone who was plant based to do randomized trials so that they get into the major journals and change the way p- physicians behave. Uh, as it turns out, there's so many uh, friends of mine who sort of were in leadership of other organizations, and I would meet with them, and they would kind of laugh at my diet, and then they themselves had a heart attack, and some of them passed away, and uh, it's, it's, it's a big sting. And you would like to see much more nutrition education because we need to save ourselves so that we can save everyone else. And when you're on that airlines and things are going bad, they say put your oxygen mask on yourself first and then help the person next to you. That's what we really need to do. Doc, I love it. We could talk to you all day, but I just have one final question for you. You weren't born uh, plant-based. I wasn't born plant-based. If you had like a a recommendation, uh, something to get somebody started who's listening to this podcast right now or watching it, uh, what what would you say? What would you say is is the thing that they should focus on uh, to maybe get started on this path of being plant-based? Well, so let me a couple of responses. Number one is that it wasn't born plant based, but I kind of, you know, when, when people say, oh, I, I couldn't live without meat, I there's a way in which I don't know what they're talking about. I never actually liked animal <laughs> products. And so I, I will openly admit that that is so easy for me to get rid of animal products, but I'm also addicted to medical literature. You know, here I am with the hugest cup of coffee. I never drank coffee until there was all of this observational data that said diabetes, stroke, uh, pancreatic cancer, um, chronic kidney disease, all of them reduced by drinking three to five cups of coffee. So all of a sudden, my brain, uh, you know, I never I never liked avocados. I'll have to admit that, okay? And, and all of a sudden, there are two trials published in the last couple of months. One was a 15% uh, decrease in LDL cholesterol if you did two avocados. Uh, and the other one was more avocados decreased overall mortality. All of a sudden, my <laughs> brain just loves avocados. Where can I have? And yeah. so, you know, so I think there are some people who are pre-programmed with, uh, I think, um, you know, mortality paranoia, and they're particularly well-suited for vegan diets or anything else uh, that is going to be health-related. Uh, then we have other people who are on the opposite end of that curve uh, where they really want to do what they want to do and they want to enjoy those things that they do, whereas the people on my side would be, I would enjoy things more if I knew it was helpful, uh, that I was going to be around uh, longer, that I was not going to have some hopeful illness that I would burden my children with me or some that kind of approach to living. Um, and so uh, so we may not be born into it, but we acquire it at different rates. So then the real question is, you know, how do how do you get people to change? What are the things that you could tell them? I have to admit there, another admission, being a cardiologist, it never was that hard because people came to me after, an, after a stent or bypass or after a cardiac event. And, uh, and I'm already, they are already a motivated uh, buyer of what I have to say. And so uh, the question is, how do you take people who don't recognize their risk and project them you know, 20 to 30 uh, years in the future? We do have some techniques. One of them that we do in the community, which with our so-called heart program, which I'm hoping, you know, in my fourth day on the job here in Louisville, uh, to actually uh, start doing down here that we were doing in Chicago. It's called the heart program, 
HEART standing for helping everyone assess risk today. And that where we would go into the community or we did actually a tennis tournament on the south side of Chicago uh, for the Women's Tennis Association. We did uh, a Veggie <laughs> Fest, which is probably not the best place to do it. But we did a lot of African-American churches and Hispanic churches. We go in with a finger stick, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure, uh, hemoglobin A1C to see diabetes and take a history and then put it into the risk calculator. Hopefully everyone has the ACC risk calculator. You can download it for any device uh, and you take it to, hey, Uncle Joe, what was your last blood pressure? What was your last cholesterol and how old are you now? And you say, oh my gosh, you got a 17.4% 10 year risk of having a heart attack, stroke or death. You better see your doctor. Um, that, that little tool uh, applied in the community can really galvanize people to understand their risk and change their behavior. Um, so if, if it's, it's easy for me to sit back as a cardiologist and you know with a catcher's mitt and have the people come to me, but I think we all ought to be going to the outfield. We need to go to where the people are, dental offices, barbershops, nail salons, uh, churches, community groups, and find people who are at risk and let them know objectively what their risk is. And hopefully that way we can impact that risk Excellent by changing, stuff. getting Doc, them more interested in Thank you in so much. Uh, we love having you as a guest. Hopefully we could have you back sometime. Good luck on the new gig in Louisville as well. So thank you very much, Doc. I really appreciate you having me. All right, time to tell you about VegReg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you're searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, VegReg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about VegReg, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean real recipes. A Bacon Lover's BLT. Cookie Dough Protein Bites, Penne Arrabbiata, now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these or two. Just for you, sit on down, there's dessert too. 
Yes, she is adorned in Cubs garb today, as I am as well. There it is, her Let's Go Cubs shirt. If you are watching on YouTube, Eric Rogers, we're going to have to make a bet someday that you lose so that you have to wear one of these items of clothing. She is Sarah Carlson. (laughs) She's Sarah Carlson, and she has the news. Okay, Sarah, take it away. Well, some people accuse vegans uh, or vegetarians and both of being angry. So the question is, are I am they? today. I'm in a pissy mood today. <laughs> yeah. I See, it's true. <laughs> Rich needs to go to the, yeah. 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 Have a time out. Take a deep breath. Need to go yoga. to the dispensary right across the border <laughs> right, where, it's, where right? it's legal in Illinois and get me some gummies or something. So there was a fun, <laughs> there was a fun article from the takeout where they consulted some vegans and asked how they felt about that image and whether or not it's true and whether or not their personal beliefs reflected the stereotype. One of them is a sales manager. So we get some uh, props here. Upton Naturals. It's a company that uh-huh. manufactures vegan vegan meat alternatives in Chicago. Yes, on, I know time. them very well. Um, if if you're around the puppies. Chicago area, if you go to Buona Beef, they have a vegan beef sandwich, <gasps> and it's from nice. Upton Naturals that they use, and it is cool. fantastic. I mean, it's an Italian beef sandwich that's as good as any Italian beef sandwich, but they use seitan that's made by Upton Naturals. It's so good. Oh, I'm so excited. I got to go try that one. So anyway, his description as one of the people interviewed was that he is an angry, quote, in a mutually exclusive kind of way, like my check engine light just went off. And also, I don't eat anything that poops. (laughs) So, you know, like that doesn't make me angry, like uh, just who I am. But is there any truth to the stereotype? more generally. And then I was reading about this punk band called Earth Crisis, and the author of this article from The Takeout said, they're certainly angry, and I, I thought, well, I'm just going to go check that out. Okay, but wait and a I second now. Punk bands that <laughs> What's the eat meat are angry. Every punk no, band is angry, no, aren't I they? Think, no, this punk band is called Earth Crisis, right. and I could barely understand the lyrics, so I went to read them. And it was hurting my ears, but I, from what I understand, they're upset about, you know, the earth in crisis. So they're on our team on that whole thing. Right. No, but, uh, but they're angry. I, I could see them being angry, but like every punk band. Now, John Joseph, who's scheduled to be a True. guest on this show, who is the lead singer of the Crow Mags. Have you ever listened to Crow Mags music? It is punk, punk music, but every other word out of his mouth is the F word. I mean, you know, yeah. he sounds very angry. I just think punk bands in general are angry. And that's true. I, that's so, true. so I could see the why, why vegans are angry because it really comes down to a point where you got to take the red pill or the blue pill. And once you start down the red pill path, like the people that haven't taken the red pill, you just want to slap them. You know, it's like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> Well, see, I'm looking at it from okay, the other perspective. Okay, I think we found ourselves an angry vegan. Yeah. Well, I am today. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't you think vegans are the most likely type of people that would want a peaceful protest for something? Yes. I, I do think that, yeah. So how does Regarding peaceful food, and anger yeah. fall into the same category? Yeah, like, like we had Alexandra Paul on, and we're going to have a guy on later this week by the name of Glenn Merzer, and he might get you a little angry now he's a screenwriter and a playwright but he also is really into climate change and has pinpointed how animal agriculture has really affected climate change and he uses 
all kinds of peer-reviewed, double-blind, scientific arguments to go through it. And so he might get you a little angry. So I could see sometimes why vegans are angry. Today I'm not angry because I'm vegan. I'm just angry because my sports teams are all terrible and my son didn't have the greatest game yesterday. And now he's not in the lineup today. And I'm, I'm coming out fighting. I'm coming out swinging today. Well, we, we pick our battles, yes, right? Exactly. You're really going to hate the fact that I drive a Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I know you posted about I posted that. this so, so on social media uh, – Again, I I don't post a whole heck of a lot, and usually it has nothing to do with anything except for, like, the show or my kids or something that I've cooked. Those are things, you know, and then every once in a while I'll post, like, some anti-dairy message or something like that. But here's the thing, and it just amazes me. My sister and her family, her husband, both of her kids, they all drive Volkswagens. Now, I don't understand how they don't know who the, like, creator the founder of volkswagen is eric you still drive that volkswagen you know i'm german yes yeah, right? so, <laughs> so, the, the founder of volkswagen is none other than adolf hitler and i don't know eh, it didn't say that online it said it was like it was definitely like a nazi group. it was a nazi group and he was the head of the nazis and they, they definitely founded it and i i'm always like really you're really gonna buy a car the the company was founded by adolf hitler it's the people's car the That's people's volkswagen car means. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy so, right, so yeah, I did. I, I did post that. I just, I, I think it's, okay. I think it's funny that, that like people won't Volkswagen. talk about it. You know. Yeah. No. No comment. Right. So you drive a Volkswagen too, Sarah? No. Oh, okay. oh. No, I have a Forerunner Toyota. I love oh, that was my on Toyotas. the list too. I love. Yeah, but Toyota yeah. had like, I yeah, the founder was like Hiroshi Toyota. You know, like. I guess. I don't know. Well, moving yes, on, the popularity, though, of all the vegan items that we see in stores and restaurants has kind of diminished the image, except for Rich's family, mm-hmm. as we right. heard about. You know, they'll give him a hard time. <laughs> but there are plenty of people, again, just as we said, who are, have the right to be upset about, you know, factory farming and big dairy. Like you said, you sometimes post that. And then there's the reaction to the Cracker Barrel sausage. Right. Oh, my goodness. So um, <laughs> then the final thing, and this has nothing to do with the article, but I wanted to say, there's the fact that I, that there's like this misconception that vegan food or plant-based meat is going to taste bad, right? Oh, there's no way that can taste good or as good. Now, I had is it Impossible brand, mm-hmm. like a chicken nugget, right? And I had these uh, at the table last night just for my daughter and myself. And John tried them. And he's like, wow, these are really good. Different from a few other brands mm-hmm. I've tried. And my son was like, that's got to be disgusting. And we couldn't we couldn't get him to take a bite. Really? Just because he had so, the preconceived notion. And maybe he was full. He went and made himself a protein smoothie after that. He eats Right, a lot. right. Well, he's at that age too. That he's he's definitely going to eat a lot. He is impossible, at that age. by the way. So no, you know, and people will will give impossible crap because they they put a lot of chemicals in their stuff and all of this. And yeah, I yeah. I, I get it. It's n- maybe not something you want to eat every day, but if you have a hankering for some meat, and sometimes you know you might, and you know your your past life when you used to eat burgers and chicken nuggets and all this kind of stuff, impossible gets it closer than anybody else does they really do as far as flavor texture uh color all of that kind of stuff impossible does get it pretty damn close so if you're if you're nostalgic and waxing nostalgic for some chicken nuggets and you're a vegan the impossible ones are pretty damn good and i was never someone who liked meat and i just like the impossible stuff i'll eat it tastes good it does 
It does. Okay. Well, moving yes. on. <clears throat> Hollywood star Zach Efron. Have you seen this? I, I don't love know. him He's now. He's under fire. I love him. And okay. I've never. Everybody yeah, does. How, how could you not love this guy? I mean, he's he's so little. You want to pat him on the top of the head? Uh, I'm, no, I, I'm Have you he's, seen he's him? yoked, man. Yeah. He is. Um, he, but he is uh, fantastic. There was a series on Netflix a couple of years ago yes. called Down to Earth. Yes. What the heck yeah. is it called? Down yeah, to Earth. Mm-hmm. I, I challenge you to watch it. You, you'll love it. I mean, you, you turn it on, and they basically go around the world, and they find, like, people and governments and, and everybody that's, like, doing things to try and save the Earth, and they come up with these amazing ideas, and he tries all kinds of new food, especially vegan stuff, because the guy that he does the show with is, like, uh, you know, Mr. Super Vegan, and um, it's really cool, and I'm like, damn, I like Zac Efron now. He seems like a good guy. Oh, yeah. And he's done a lot to kind of push people in the right direction. And the sad part is PETA's mad at him because Uh he's now the, okay, so he's the high school musical star. Most people know him from that. He's the newly appointed chief brand officer. He took a job in this direction for Kodiak Cakes and talked about clean eating and so on. However, he did an ad with a captive bear. So- Hmm. And he had it on Instagram and it was trying to be cute using his celebrity status and getting all of his followers to see this to raise awareness for animal welfare. Fortunately, it was a captive bear. Um, And as you talked about, he's been uh, warming and and very involved. So he messed up on this one. So in one of the ads um, front posted there, he makes the Kodiak pancake asking the bear questions getting cute, funny responses and courses calling him a hypocrite and saying that they need to reshoot the ad um, because it was a 20-year-old bear activity. They're, they're also mad at the company, right? Not just Zac Efron. Of course, of course. But they're saying, hey, yeah. you know, don't do you, that and turn around and say, be nice to animals. Now, and the absolute do worst thing. Kodiak, yeah. The, the worst thing about PETA and, and I, I like what they're they're trying to do. Okay, but when I hear that word, it kind of drives me a little bit nuts. Now, my wife is Polish, like Polish from Poland, lived in Poland almost her entire Mm -hmm. life, came over here when she was like 22, 23, something like that. A couple of years later, we we were married. We've been married ever since. Anyways, um, the word. Because she said no to you. Exactly. Check out the the How I Met Your Mother episode. I think that was episode four that, that we did, and I'll explain all of that. But anyways, she. Is she was telling me a story because the word PETA in Polish, there is a word, PETA, and PETA translates to the C word in English. Yeah. Oh my and so whenever I, I, I hear that now, I hear PETA and I'm like, oh, whoa, <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't say that. The, the other thing, it's really funny. So like, I think it was Wendy's that was over there in Poland. And so they rolled out something with pita bread. And I, forget, I don't know if they had like euros or like sandwiches with pita bread on it. And I guess they just didn't quite get it. So they had marketing and in the windows, you know, they like put that window paint on. They put in the windows, ya mom pita, which means we have pita. And everyone in Poland, oh, no. <laughs> everyone in Poland like lost it. I mean, it, it took a day for it to come down and it came down <laughs> everywhere in Poland, but they have the C word. But yeah. Over they, in, mean... in Poland. Uh, I guess Wendy's did, but it's um, PETA. Yeah. So every time I hear you say PETA or anybody else say PETA, I'm like, 
Huh, that's the C word. Oh, Maybe we shouldn't be saying that. I have that, a friend from yeah, Poland. I'll have people to, for the ethical treatment Yeah, I have a friend from animals. Poland. I'll have to mess with her next time and tell her to have some peanut Oh, yeah. But uh, the, yeah, the sad, the sad about part it. about yeah, tell this. Her, well, just, just tell her you have... To say no, the word. Yeah, I always, I always do it this way because I'll, I'll make like these Satan euros and I'll be like, wow, this pita is really sloppy, you know, or <laughs> this, this pita is really dripping today. And, you know, it just, it just sets my wife off. I mean, she, she hates Rightfully it. Rightfully so, It's Rich. really funny, but like I told her, I'll. <laughs> Rich, exactly. how could you do this? <laughs> you stop it. Is that pretty it's good? Pretty spot on. I I told her I would stop teasing her when I'm <laughs> that dead. Is that's, fair. that's how it works. So there you go. And I have to see yes, this yes, one for the sake of she the Kodiak cakes, guys, because I do love them myself. The ad, these ads were supposed yes. to be raising awareness for wild animals. They have keep it wild, so to speak, merchandise. So for every dollar they make, they're donating another dollar to the Vital Ground Foundation, helping bears and wildlife. So basically, the end of this story, wrong bear. They made a mistake. I don't know whether they'll reshoot that, but yeah. they all mean well, both Zach, Zach Efron and Kodiak Cakes. So, all right. I'm, I'm sure they do, and I'm sure the Peter so, people mean um, well as this well. This is kind yeah. of a cool one, and I don't know if I know of this company, but this is from vegnews.com. There's a California company, Eat Just. They're reporting a major milestone this summer, and they just reported this, I think, yesterday. It's Vegan Just Egg. That's the product. So this, okay. So this month. Oh yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, it's made yeah. with mung beans, and I tell you what. So you get it in like this little yellow bottle, and you can make omelets that I, I mean, right. it it fools yeah, They say, they say it's that, that it's just good. got it's the close exact taste. So this month, they're reporting sales of the equivalent of three hundred million chicken eggs. How cool! How cool is that? Beautiful. So and so beautiful. Eat just figured out how to turn that mung bean protein. That was the next part of my story. Rich, you're good into a plant based alternative. It scrambles, it bakes and fries just like chicken eggs. So on the other side of that, this is I'm learning things and I'm going, man, you know, I'm just vegetarian, but I'm starting to lean into the should I go there? More than one point four trillion eggs are consumed annually worldwide. And we know there's the animal cruelty wow. element, but also, and this is a really good veg news uh, story, producing eggs the traditional way is environmentally horrible, using 93 million acres of land, 51 billion gallons of water. So this Eat Just uses 98% less water and 83% less land. Enough said. Yeah, I have a friend who actually he uh, the, his business is this. He's in the egg business. He doesn't sell eggs to grocery stores. He sells eggs to Purina and pet food companies. So the eggs that don't make it to the grocery store, so the ones that aren't in perfect shape or size and will have cracks in them or lots of dirt or bacteria or stuff that they can't get off and blood and all, all this kind. Of, and anyways, yeah. Um, those go to pet food stores, and that's his business. He sells them to pet food stores. One thing he and his family refuse to eat in their house, hmm. eggs. Yeah, they just will not. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just it's just too too gross for them to be able to eat eggs at any point in time. Plus, they are they are cholesterol bombs. I mean, super bombs. You know who the biggest offender though of eating eggs is is Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Raw. He's like every day I'm eating five <laughs> dozen raw, eggs. Right? Like he's got that market locked <laughs> mm-hmm. down. Wait, wait, Gaston is that is that the beast? Is that the beast's name? The bad guy. No, that's the yeah. the. We talked oh. about him yesterday. Guy, in my the, house. the villain. I've never story. seen this movie. Really? Come on, man! I, I, I don't know eggs, that one. But... So all I know is that. Yeah, probably, like, if there were live characters and all the Disney princesses came to life, I think Belle would be my favorite. I think that's, yeah, yeah. I have to agree. Although, I, yeah, I I don't understand the the eating raw eggs thing and thinking that has something to do with fitness. Like, yeah, they, never they show it in the Rocky movie, that's like the original gross. Rocky movie. He takes, like, three or four eggs, puts them in a glass, Who and just drinks this? them, like, raw, and I'm like, my God. God, not only is that bad, like, you know, Salmonella, dude, you know, like right. the, nothing good uh, about that. And no wonder why he lives alone, man. The the, the gas that's coming out of Rocky. Holy crap. Um, on that note, I think we're, we're going to call it a show as we are running out of time. Our thanks to our guest, Dr. Kim Williams. Uh, remember to check us out online. It's realmeneatplants.com, all over social media as well. And give till it hurts for Paul's party, Paul Palooza, coming up at the end of the month. You can donate right on the realmeneatplants.com podcast page. Hit that button, donate. We are looking for six bucks. Six bucks, that is all that we can give um, for each and every one of you to Paul's party, and hopefully we can write them a big fat check um, at the end of the month. So great show, guys. I'm going to go and uh, go get some edibles from Sunnyside right now and try to calm myself down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you go there too. Right, and, nice. and we will do this all again tomorrow. <laughs> Bye-bye.